welcome to the podcast. It's Michael Seeley, and today is the first in a series of vignettes, hypothetical case studies of imaginary athletes who are going through some difficult situations. And so as a mental coach, as a high-performance coach, I'm going to look at some of these scenarios in real time here and give you some analogy, some takeaways from this, and hopefully kind of personalize more the issues that athletes go through. You see a lot of common things in some of these vignettes that are coming up. So we're going to dive right in. Today, I have a hypothetical scenario about a guy named Brian. And so Brian is a bicycle racer. In fact, he's a professional bicycle racer. This is an imaginary person, so I actually don't know Brian Bike Racer, but let's paint the picture of what's going on for Brian. I'm going to give you some analysis and some solutions, and hopefully you can apply some of this scenario to anything that you might be going through in your sport. Um, doesn't have to be bike racing, could be any other sport as well. So uh, let's paint the picture. Brian's a 25-year-old professional bike racer. He always beats his hometown riding buddies in training and holds nearly all the local Strava cycling records. I don't know if you can relate to this if you're a bike racer. Strava, with a lot of sports, is a pretty big deal. Uh, people get competitive. Uh, so Brian really feels lucky to make a living at cycling. And he dominates locally, does really well regionally also. But when it comes time to perform at the really important races at the national level, he performs under beneath his abilities. I wouldn't say he chokes, but he underperforms. And so the issue here is underperforming. You see this in a lot of sports. Athletes are champion trainers, but when it comes time to the big events, you see them holding back, kind of putting the brakes on a little bit, maybe being a little nervous, not performing well enough. So what happens at these big races for Brian is that he does have a fair amount of anxiety. And in order to cope with that, he does something um, that's actually self-sabotaging, but the intention is for him to kind of relax, um, calm his nerves, but it ends up kind of self-sabotaging. What he does is he'll stay up a little extra late. He might have a later dinner, might be on his phone, kind of trying to relax, not really getting enough sleep. And he also forgets, and I'm doing air quotes here, forgets to check his bike, his equipment, um, at the local races, he's pretty dialed in. He loves to win and dominate. So he really checks his tires, checks his gears, everything like this. Um, but at these bigger races, he unconsciously uh, kind of forgets to really dial in his bike. His, you know, He doesn't want to deal with it. He wants to kind of relax. And that's how he deals with his stress. Um, now, as you can imagine, he doesn't do as well in some of these national races. He he hesitates when the key moves go, uh, whereas locally, he feels really confident. He can burn a lot of matches, burn a lot of energy. Locally, regionally, he can be in like three or four breakaways and still have plenty of gas left at the end. At these higher stakes competitions, though, he kind of doubts his strength or is afraid he's going to kind of run out of gas. So he'll play it safe and he'll hold himself back and sometimes will miss key moves or he'll panic and he'll see a breakaway go up the road, and it might be really early. So, so statistically, like, no breakaways stay away if they go really, really early. It kind of almost never happens. Um, but he may panic and chase down some of these early breakaways, 
again, kind of a form of self-sabotage when the brain is running kind of um, in primal mode and it's not really thinking rationally. So he, you know, he's disappointed in these big races. He comes back home and then he starts to train even more, kind of like get, to get revenge. He'll do a lot of training. And what this can do is it actually kind of tends to burn him out. So you can see the picture here. And I don't know if this has happened to you, if you're a bike racer or if you're playing any other sports, this phenomenon of being really good in training and in lower stakes events and performing really at your capacity than coming to the higher stakes competitions, you really, um, the, the anxiety takes over and you, you underperform. So what can we do? What can we do? Let me give you a little bit more background on Brian so that we get more of a psychological picture of what might be going on for him. So we'll get a little bit deeper here. So Brian discovered bike racing in college, and he really showed like remarkable natural talent. And he just rocketed through the ranks. He went from a Cat 5 to a Cat 1, winning like almost all the races uh, that, that he entered, really. And he got a lot of praise for this, and he got a huge boost of confidence confidence and he got um got signed uh, on a tr a contract he started getting money um but you know historically brian lacked confidence and he had low self-esteem really throughout all of high school he didn't play sports he was uh kind of like a self-described nerd he really liked computers and video games and he wasn't really social but he had this like this huge talent kind of locked away so in, in telling you that, a little bit of his history there, um, he doesn't have that historical track record of really, of really trusting himself with, like, uh, with confidence, okay? So he only recently discovered his, his confidence, and that was really um, you know, in college, and he's 25 now. So he's only a couple years in on this track record of really trusting himself, and prior to that, in high school, which happens to a lot of us in high school, you can get bullied, you can be, you know, ostracized. You know, school's rough. It's really rough. And so he was, in a way, I'll call it traumatized. And I don't use that term lightly, but it was a bit of like a mini trauma, I'll call it, maybe like a social trauma where he didn't really click with anybody and um, he was kind of down on himself. And then you can see now this same kind of habit that he practiced in high school of not having a lot of self-esteem, he practices it now when it comes to these higher stakes races. So we could say in analyzing that there, this is a default coping mechanism that Brian has is when he's presented with some kind of high stakes situations, he, he kind of panics, he doesn't really trust himself, and then he kind of beats himself up afterwards. So what we want to do as a coach, either as a skills coach, a cycling coach specifically, or more of a mental performance, high performance coach, which is more what I do, um, we want to build his confidence. We want to do that really any way we can. So there's a lot of ways to build confidence. And so I'd like you to think, the listener and viewer right now, Kind of in your head, like what? How would you help Brian? What would you say to him? What would you prescribe? Maybe a couple of things are coming coming to mind right away, like not overtraining, not beating himself up um, after these big competitions, 
simple praise, you know, hey, you can do it. Um, helping him analyze some of his mistakes, maybe pointing out that, hey, it's common. You see this even in the pro ranks, people maybe panicking and not making the right moves. So kind of humanizing and normalizing Brian's problem, I think, might help, right? Um, so maybe as a teammate, you might help him or advise him, or maybe as a coach, you might have some ideas for him. Um, but I want to point out some of the pitfalls in what I call problem solving. And I think a lot of coaches can fall into this trap of just plain giving advice. Here's what you need to do. Just stop doing this and do this, right? Hey, stop doing that in that race. Stop, stop choking. Stop freaking out. Um, and here's what you need to do. Here's what's worked for me. You know, kind of just common advice giving. And that, that can be a solution sometimes. But I do want to caution coaches on rushing to solve the problem initially and instead lean into the problem and get more information from Brian. Um, have him explain in kind of in slow motion of what happens when he gets anxious, what happens, all the context, maybe his thoughts, maybe Brian can do some thought journaling if, he, if he's at some of these events or even can remember how he was feeling, write down some of his you know, behaviors. So what you want to do as a coach is really get a lot more information before you prescribe the solution. Because there might be something there that, you, that you're missing, right? It could be um, you know, some event in high school that he hasn't really processed. Maybe he was bullied or had a breakup or had a, lost a friend. And not, you, know, you don't really know. And so you don't want to go, as a coach, you don't want to go as deep as doing any kind of therapy with Brian. You don't want to do that. But you might get more information from him, what was going on, you know, in his mind. And if it does come to some sort of a trauma you discover that's kind of uh, holding him back, then you can refer out to a really good psychotherapist and say, hey, why don't you talk to someone about some of these, you know, some of these things that you're, you're dealing with? And here I am as a coach and, you know, I'm here for you, man. And you go take care of that personal stuff with a therapist. And I'm here to get you back in your game when you're, when you're ready. So sometimes you can work in tandem with a therapist and really get good results for an athlete. Of course, making sure that it's cool with the athlete, that you're, you know, kind of bifurcating the, the solution there. Maybe having some good communication with the therapist, with Brian's permission, of course. And, and working together to, to help come up with a solution. Um, so this is this episode of the this this podcast is maybe more for coaches, but also for athletes in thinking about getting as much information as you can and working with a coach and really analyzing what's going on. Now you don't want to overanalyze. You want to fix the problem quickly. You want to fix the sport performance problem quickly, but this may actually be an opportunity in disguise for some psychotherapy, maybe if that's needed, that isn't always needed. Um, but my point here on the podcast and this, uh, this vignette case study is to really slow down the problem solving process to get more information because you might miss stuff before you know, jumping to the prescription. So let me tell you what I think the prescription could be Brian. And again, I want to talk to him more. But based on the information that I told you here, um, 
what I would do, as I mentioned earlier, is I would normalize what he's going through because a lot of athletes have uh, shame around uh, some of their failures. They think that they're unique and no one else, no other athletes go through these kinds of problems. That's simply not true. The greatest of the greats have gone through all the exact same thing. So number one, I would normalize and that would give him kind of reduce some of the self-blame going on there. And the second thing I would do is I would um, build, I would remind him of his strengths, you know, remind him of all of his good results, not to, uh, you know, go away from the problem, but to come at the problem from a, a place of strength where Brian says, you know what, I, I am, I do have the potential. Um, really, the, the problem is it's more mental and and it's just, I am, I am good enough to compete at these races. And I would have him even come up with a list of his favorite times in cycling, his biggest victories, um, what he loves about the sport, and just really build up from a place of strength before um, getting into the, sort of the criticism and like, here, here's what happened, and let's analyze what happened here, and here's what you can do better. Um, then, yeah, getting directly into the problem, which is uh, essentially, I call it patience and trust. And like I mentioned, he doesn't he doesn't have a lot of experience with that in his life yet. So that we would try some experiments um, locally in some of the local races before we get him into his next big competition, maybe nationally. And what I would do with Brian is I would say, let's try an experiment where you do something different in these local races where you normally dominate. What if you sat in the entire time and allowed everything to happen. Um, and, and that might be really hard for you, but we want to practice patience so that in these big races, you don't overreact and go with the first breakaway, right? And that you might be sacrificing some results locally, but you're going to be practicing in real time this patience and you're going to feel the frustration and it's going to drive you crazy, but I want you to sit at the back of the pack until, you know, the last three laps, something different. Um, or I want you to really test your strength in the next local race. I, would, I, I want you to try a solo breakaway and really go for it with 10 laps to go in this crit and just bury yourself. And if you get caught, who cares? But I want you to try, take some risks, right? Take some risks. So you can play around at the lower stakes competitions with risk taking and patience. Risk taking and patience. Both of those are going to build trust in the athlete so that when it comes to the higher stakes competition, they will not panic. They'll start, they'll remember the feeling of trusting themselves and being patient. And they'll remember the feeling when the key moment does happen in the race and they have that gut instinct to really go with the breakaway or attack, that they execute on it and they do take that risk. So that would be my prescription. For Brian at some of these underperforming problems that he has at these big, big national events. Okay, so that's the vignette today. Brian the bike racer, and let's hope he starts doing better. And um, you know, he's still a young guy; he's 25. Bike racing. I mean, you can go really these days um, with nutrition and training, probably into your early 40s before you start seeing a significant decline in in power and things like that, okay? So this is Michael Seeley in the uh, High Performance Podcast, formerly known as the Sports Psychology Podcast, but I'm expanding it to 
high performance because you can use some of these lessons in all aspects of your life, not just in sport. And I think um, focusing on high performance and getting better performance is just fun. It's a natural competitive thing that a lot of people have. So let's investigate ways to achieve more without beating yourself up, without falling into some of these traps that are very easy to fall into when you're trying to perform at a higher level. Okay. So I will be having some more um, case studies coming up in future podcast episodes. I may be having some guests on to analyze various case studies. And I hope this helps you if you're a coach or an athlete or uh, anyone who's looking to perform at a higher level. Um, you can do it. It's possible. You just have to have some self-compassion, some patience, take some risks, and uh, and get out there and do it, right? Okay. So thanks for listening and everyone take care.